Let me share a story about Lego. Duplo, for those of you that want to get me saying it correctly. Uh, for those of you online and you are watching, if you got Lego in the house, I would encourage you to grab a piece, okay? Or just can you imagine what a Lego piece looks like? Maybe I could show you. Uh, you might recognize these two people. They might be here in our building this morning. I don't know for sure. Uh, but if you can imagine all that Lego and what you could do with it, okay? So as a grandfather, I enjoy playing with Lego. Uh, my kids, my grandkids, I would say, hey, kids, you want to play and build a, a building? A, I'll say a church instead of a tower. It's not the Tower of Babel, okay? Okay, this is the church. And we're excited about building it up to the ceiling. And I would get my grandkids so pumped up and they would start out, build a foundation. They would get so thrilled and they would just start adding pieces to them. Right? This, now, Crosby and Owen, my two grandkids that I do this a fair bit with, I discovered something. We would get so excited. They would be pumped on building this tower up. And they would be building it and building it character starts coming out. Crosby is a detail guy, okay? Crosby is placing it in the proper place, just the way it should be, according to him, okay? Owen, he is wild. I'm like, let's go to the tower. He gets pumped with me, and we just, I just start filling the gaps. He is going, and we're building this thing up, and almost to the point where they have to give it to me, or they're standing on a stool. Not that I'm much taller, uh, but we're building this thing up, and then Crosby, the detail guy, saying, Owen, you're putting it in the wrong place. And he's taking Owen's, and he's taking it and changing where Owen put it. Now, division occurs. Dissension. They lost the mission. And I'm like, guys, we're building it up. And no, but Owen's doing it wrong. It needs to go over here. And this fight breaks out in a matter of seconds, in a twinkling of an eye. Whap! The tower goes down. And it was before we got to the ceiling so we could have fun. <laughs> Isn't that the way the church can be? Now, I asked the Lord, I want to, can I blame it on the Lord? Uh, I was saying, God, what can I use to help pull this picture together of what the Apostle Paul is trying to say? And he gave me the picture of Lego. So you're holding a piece of Lego for a purpose. One of them, if you look at that piece of Lego, it is pretty, not much to it, is it? It's pretty, can I say, useless by itself? I mean, how many of you have a, a, a piece of Lego and you have it sitting somewhere for people to see? Any of you? <laughs> Strange people. <laughs> no. We, typically, we don't do it because the Lego is designed for something greater than itself. It's important. The two things I want you to understand today is that Lego that you represent is important, but it's part of something bigger than itself. And I believe that Paul was trying to share that with us. If you have, look up Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll move on through. 
Pastor Tom gave us a great picture of the importance of what God has initiated, what he has been doing, and how it, it fits into you of who you are. And we're just expanding on that here. So, Father, as we come to your word, I pray, God, would you give me clarity in my own heart and mind. And, Lord, may your word go forth, and may our ears be open to hear what you want us to do, and that we would be obedient to you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this passage, and uh, I'll read it, and we'll see if we can stay on track. Uh, for I know, this is Paul, <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul, the great church planter, right? What can you do? The church in Philippi is like, our leader of the mission is in prison. And Paul's like, for I know through the, your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, I love the picture, he's not just, oh, you just pray, and it's like an individual task. It's a coming together in the power of Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul is, starts off his letter encouraging them and saying, man, what you're doing, you're a partner with me, and what's going to happen is I'm going to be delivered. But watch how he turns this. As it is my eager expectation, my hope that I will not be at, a, at all ashamed. And we're like, what? The Apostle Paul be ashamed of the gospel? By a, this is a church planter. He puts himself into a place. But that with the full courage, now as always, Christ would be honored in my body, whether in life or by death. He said, I'm going to be delivered. He says, no matter what, no matter what, my body would be honoring to Christ. That for to me to live is to Christ and to die is gain. Let me just sit on this for a moment to say, this is the great Apostle Paul. And you say, yeah, okay, he's godly enough. He is, he is so close to the Lord that he can say that in life or death, I'm good. But if I can take a moment and give tribute to a friend of mine, Ken Sear. I knew him in elementary school. When I came to know Jesus, he, was, he showed up. I don't know where he came out of. Uh, he was just part of my life. And he helped me walk with Jesus. We went to college together, went into ministry at the same time. But Ken got cancer a few years back. And this was his, his life. That he was a follower of Jesus. He was transformed by the power of Jesus. And he was on the mission with Jesus. That in life and death, he just gave praise to Jesus. And he was at that place. That he, didn't, he was okay to die. He was ready to go to be with Jesus. But he fought to live for the sake of his family. This was him. So don't just say, oh, that's just Apostle Paul. I know somebody. Ken Sear. I read this verse in my morning reading the day, the morning he passed away. And it, <laughs> it just echoes. Are we in that place? Am I there? No. But are we able to be there? So... Paul's putting himself into a place as an example to us. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? It's like, I don't know what to do. I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to be depart and be with Christ. It's far better. You see, I'm praying out of that prayer. I know I'm going to be delivered to a place I'm okay. If I die, I want to be with Jesus. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's encouraging the church. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and the joy in the faith so that in me you may have an apple cause of glory to, in Christ. It's like if I get delivered, you can just see the power of God because it's not looking good. Deliver in the glory of Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Did I click? There we go. And this is where I want us to focus on. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So that whether I come to see you or if I'm absent, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind. <laughs> Coming back to my building. One mind. <laughs> one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is all that really matters is that we live worthy, a life, your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. I'm going to get tongue-tied around that. And not frightened in anything of your opponents. Guys, you're so confident with Jesus that you don't worry about your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of the destruction by out of your, but their destruction by your salvation, but not by works, but that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also what? You say that quietly. Yeah, suffer. That's another sermon, Pastor Tom, you can take that one. Okay. <laughs> that, but leave in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that, I, you, that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So their confidence was in Paul. They were following Paul. And like, is the mission on hold while well, Paul's in prison? I want to get across three things this morning. And one I already told you, you're important and that you're part of a bigger, bigger than yourself, something way greater. But we need to understand this invitation this rallying point that Paul is saying to them, to live a manner worthy of the gospel, is such a pull. It is such an impact of what God wants to do in your life. The Greek word here in manner worthy of the gospel is much, the picture is like a, a city. It's like we're coming, rallying together like a city. Uh, Pastor Tom talked about koinonia, that partnership. That's what it's talking here. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We're, Paul is saying, let's call the trumpet, blow the trumpets. Let's gather together. We're heading out. We're a team. We're, we're a church, a movement of God. 
than what God wants to do. And so we're gathering all together. Paul is encouraging them, saying, you're important. But oh, there's something way bigger, bigger than me. You don't need me. We need to follow Jesus. He points them to Jesus. We need to rally together, living a life worthy of the gospel. And we get caught up, I get caught up on worthy. You take your little piece and say, I'm not worthy of the gospel. I'm not worthy of this. I, I can't be part of this. There's no way that I could do that. But that's not the point that Paul was making. The point was to follow Jesus. That's the call for each one of us. That's the call for me. Stop getting caught up in saying I'm not good enough. Because that's where I go. Do you go there as well? Say, I'm not good enough to do this. I can't go and be a preacher, a pastor. I'm not good enough to do that. And many of you will agree. <laughs> it's, not, it's not me. It is not me. But I need to be obedient. And part of following Jesus is, one, not just being devoted to do, not just reading and doing your devotions, but actually being devoted to follow him. It's not an add-on to your life. It's literally Jesus becomes your life. A disciple is one that wants to be like his teacher. Paul's like, I'm inviting you to follow Jesus. To do what he says. So what he says in his word, we obey. God, you asked me to do this, I will do this. God, you asked me to use Lego, I will do it. As crazy as that is. And you know the fun part is, I hear you playing with it. Or maybe it's the kids. <laughs> Bless you. You're stacking it up already. But So we need to follow Jesus. That means we need to be obedient to Jesus. Okay? Let me put it this way. I, I wrote it down in my notes that I should follow. Um, to follow Jesus is not about perfection. Some of you, that hits hard. Some of you here are like, yeah, right on. Uh, to follow Jesus is not about perfection. It's about obedience. Do what he asks you to do. Now, some of it is pretty straightforward in the Word of God. You do what he asks you to do. Follow him. Say, I want to learn from him. So you want to follow him, you want to do what he says, but there's a heart that says, I want to learn from Jesus. Some of you want to learn the word of God. Bless you. I'm glad you want to learn the word of God. Some of you have it memorized. Praise the Lord, I, I don't. And that's all good. But you need to want to follow him. Not just say, I know the word of God. You need to know it, but the heart is what I'm talking to. That I want to know Jesus. I want to do what Jesus does. There was one church that, uh, it was a church plant, and that's literally what they became to realize. We just are followers of Jesus and do what Jesus does. That was their motto, their mission. 
We're followers of Jesus, and we do what Jesus does. What a picture. I loved it. And I digress. But the story was, he's a church planter, and a church planter, you go by book, you, you do advertisements, you do billboards, you do all these things, and you get the word out, and you spend a lot of money, and you have one big rallying day to get people to come, and you get them to sign up to be part of the church. Okay, that's the how you church plan in a nutshell. Uh, they did all that, and nobody showed up. Yeah, billboards, radio, social media, everything, and nobody showed up except the church themselves of about, I think they had 50 people at that point that were rallying together. That was it. That's all that showed. And so then they decided, oh, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to ask Jesus what we should do because, like, all that was good. So they went to a local school. It was part of the community where they wanted to do the church plant. And the pastor went to the principal and said, hey, how can we assist you? What can we do to follow Jesus? They went and they, the principal said, well, we do this field day. It's coming up in a, a month or so. And he's like, what's a field day? Well, we, we get these two different games things and we get the kids to have fun outside. And he goes, oh, pastor's all excited. Do people and parents show up? No, parents don't show up because they're working. Like, oh. He goes, well, if you had money wasn't an object, what would you want to do? And they planned together. She dreamed as the principal. And this pastor ended up making up a brochure, this church that hadn't been established yet. They built, they made this brochure of all these things for the neighborhood, these kids to come to. They were going to supply all the, the blow-up. They spent all the money, did it all, and they were just a little label on the bottom saying sponsored or, you know, supported by this local church. They didn't put their name in lights, but they were doing what Jesus asked them to do, and the church birthed out of that. So I just say that as a nutshell of understanding. We need to listen to God's voice, and we need to be obedient to it. It could be the littlest things, but we need to follow Jesus. We need to learn from him. And just in short, I'll say we need to hear his voice. And sometimes we feel uncomfortable with that statement, my sheep know my voice. And we would sooner just go to the word and, and leave it out. But we need to hear God's voice. It lines up to the word of God, and we're obedient to it. So we need to follow Jesus. He invites us to follow. He's telling the early church. He's excited. He's rallying them together. Say, come on. Let's rally together. Let's follow Jesus. Let's live in such a manner worthy of the gospel. You notice he doesn't say, go out to neighbor and neighbor and neighbor and give them brochures and tell them about, just share the gospel and run. No, <laughs> he doesn't say that here. Yes, we are to give the gospel to give an account for the faith that we have. We are to proclaim it. But I love his approach and how he's encouraging the church to live in such a manner worthy of the gospel. Because we are obedient. We're following Jesus. It's not about perfection. It's about obedience. 
which is a step of faith. And that's what we're talking about, living out our faith. Are we willing to do that? It is, it is powerful. It is so exciting. And I'm going to get a little farther on that. But let's move on to the next point. Um, we're changed by Jesus. I like the term transformed by him. So he uses the word here in the passage, stand firm in one spirit. It's like a battleground. And there is only one place where we can stand, and that's in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you think you as an individual, you're a little piece of Lego, no matter how big of a piece you got, <laughs> you can't do this alone. We need the transforming power of Christ. Are you understanding that? Because often we try to do it in the flesh. It's the Spirit and the flesh coming together, walking in the power of the Spirit. Um, we showed this passage last week, was on here. We are His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I love this, which God prepared be beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, it comes to obedience. But as we walk with Jesus, he starts transforming us, and we start changing. And it always encourages me, that the people that I see here, and their lives are changed. It's because of the power of God. We're dependent on him. And people in the workplace, people in our neighborhood, they start looking at us and saying, what's with you? I remember my boss when I was working in automotive, he looked into the car that I was driving into the shop, he stops me and says, you got Jesus? I think he said, you got religion, I think is the word he said. You got religion? Because he saw something changed in me. That's the power of God. Do we trust to allow him to work? We're dependent on him. It's the work, it's God's work. He's the one who's doing the work. He's the one who initiated it. I'm reviewing Pastor Tom's sermon last week. The work is unique for the individual. That's the cool part, that each one of you, individually, God has a plan, and you are a part of it, but Paul is railing them together in that process that we would be changed. God is changing us. We are his workmanship. He is changing us. A verse that came to me as a, a new believer was that he himself was sanctifying me. I was raised in the do's and don'ts. That's how I got it. Religion was a bunch of do's and don'ts. And all I heard about is, Neil, don't do that. Neil, don't do that. Neil, don't do that. So that's what I learned in church, okay? Because <laughs> I was always doing that. <laughs> so I was, yeah, never mind about me. But when I came to know Jesus, this verse was first that sort of stuck in me. He's the one who's sanctifying me. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Yeah. That's, we are dependent on Jesus. He's the one who transforms us and changes us. So again, it's not about I need to be worthy. I need to get myself good enough so I can place myself on the foundation 
of Jesus Christ. I need to be good enough before I can follow Jesus. That is not what the scriptures call us to. It calls us to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I know it's Christ who sanctifies me. He's the one who changes me. So we're dependent on Jesus. Are we getting it or am I losing you? You with me? Yeah, okay. Hopefully the people online are, are saying, okay, they can pause and think about it. But uh, <laughs> the next point I want us to come to, and I want to spend some time on this, committed to the mission of Jesus. Because if you're following Jesus, there comes a point he's going to ask you to do something. Because we're obeying him, right? We're doing what he asks me to do. And you're becoming more and more Christ-like as you walk with Jesus. And the more and more Christ-like that you become, he's going to call you into different places. I heard this past week, I heard of, I never heard of this before. Where are they? Uh, somebody talked to me about the Jonah jobs. Do you ever heard of that? Oh, you got a Jonah job? I have never heard about this before. But I, let me give you a picture. Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament. Okay? Jonah was a prophet. He was following God. Okay? Got this? He was following God. And God said, I want you to go to your enemy. How many of you would say, uh, no, they're my enemy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so Jonah says, I'm not going to our enemy. I'm praying that you will destroy them. And God's telling Jonah, I want you to go, and I want you to bring the good news. I want you to call to them and say to repent and turn to God. Jonah has a better idea. Because, God, you got the wrong idea because they're our enemy. So Jonah goes the other direction. And God gives him into a place where he has some time to think about it. You can read the book and know the rest of the story. Usually in those moments God gives us time to think, he gets our attention and we say, okay, I will follow you. <laughs> and we follow Jesus. And we start saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do this. Now the difference is, Jonah was miserable and did it, but he didn't want to do it. What I find, this is my argument against the Jonah jobs, when I finally say yes to Jesus and do what he calls me to do, it is the most rewarding. Let me tell you a story of Jim. How many of you know my buddy Jim? Few of you know my buddy Jim. I don't know, I'll say it's 10 years of walking with that. I have no idea how long it's been. Somebody in this church, I invited them to our place for lunch, and Jim shows up in the back pew, and they invite him with his, and he gets to know where I live. Bless them, right? Jonah, <laughs> I'm in this point now, uh, I'm, I'm a Jonah, because every morning almost, I back out of the driveway in the dark, not summertime, and there he was, wanting money, needing help, something every day. If he wasn't at the door there at my house, he was at the door here. And he was taking up valuable time because I was meeting with Jesus in the morning and he would be ringing the doorbell. And I was getting a, to be a Jonah. 
But there were moments where I, nope, God, you brought him into my life. And I walked with Jim for a lot of years. And I can tell you today, well, pre-COVID, he was part of a worship team in Kelowna. Loving Jesus, I'm still in contact with him on a regular basis. So was that a Jonah job? I don't know. <laughs> it did stretch me. Uh, I learned a lot about drugs in that process. So what is God calling us to do the, to commit to the mission of Jesus? We're all in it together. He's, uh, he's rallying the team together to say, as a church in Philippi, we're going together and we are going to bring the mission of the gospel. We're going to live worthy of the manner of the gospel. I talked to somebody else, and they were saying there was an issue in their lives, and they, basically they said, I know what we need to do. I don't want to do it, but I know what I need to do, and they obeyed. See, the mission of Jesus is going to be different for each one of us, but it's all the same. It's living out the gospel. It's being obedient to Jesus who is transforming us. Because for some of you, maybe it's, it's Bill. Hopefully there's not a Bill in here. Uh, don't take this in the wrong way if you're a Bill. But maybe God's calling you to hang out with Bill in the, from work. And Bill, and you're saying, God, nobody hangs out with Bill. And God's saying, I want you to hang out with Bill. I want you to invite him to your house and have a barbecue and get to know him and be a friend. And you're saying, but God, it's Bill. Nobody hangs out with Bill. Do you, are you ready to do whatever God calls you to do? If it's cutting a, a, a lady's lawn, what is it that God puts on your heart? It's part of your life. Some of you, it might be going overseas if we get to that place. Jesus says, I want you to go. Will you obey him? Because if you know who Jesus is, that he is all-powerful God that made a way for you that you could be forgiven and give you new life, shouldn't you trust him with your whole life? Whatever he asks you to do, will you commit to the mission? I mean, listen to this. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We're in it together, side by side, praying for one another, supporting one another. I, I love this picture of what God does as the body of Christ. Because each one of you have a different gift and ability. But alone in itself? It's not so unique. But so I have a neighbor, and he says, hey, do you know an electrician? I'm like, yeah. So I've been walking with him for you know, a couple years, and now I just pulled in somebody else that's a follower of Jesus, committed to the mission. And now there's two people in their lives. So if I get somebody coming and knocking on my door and I'm walking with them and they need something else, I invite them to meet somebody else that's part of the mission. 
because we're in it together. And that's the working of Christ. That from your workplace to your home to your community, some of you, maybe it's just as parents saying, man, I need to be coming together. I'm on mission with Jesus that I need to be raising my kids and I'm living in a manner worthy of the gospel because right now I'm not. God is calling each one of us rallying together to build his church, but we can't do it on our own. It's not like I'm going to go out and the, the kingdom's going to be expanded on my own. It's us working together, representing all the churches around the world. This morning as I was praying, I had this picture of, you know, Sunday's the normal time. Around the world, different times, people are gathering together. And they're hearing the word of God. And I'm like, and God, you know the exact word that everyone is being, that the word's going out. What does that look like? Because I don't know about you, when you go on vacation, I hear, the, I know what message is coming here, and I hear it in another church. I'm like, God, how is that possible? How, God, are you saying the same thing in another location through a different preacher, even a different passage? That is the amazing God that he's inviting us to follow. Would you be willing to put your life in his hand? It is scary. It is so scary. When God called Linda and I into ministry, we, more so in Linda's side, of fear of where we might go. Because you don't know. But you just say yes. Whatever he asks you to do, because we were followers of Jesus, we were being transformed by Jesus, we were doing whatever God wanted us to do. Think of Elliot and Vivian in Germany. We support them in missions. What are they doing in, in, in Germany? They're just being obedient to what God called them to do. As crazy as that is. A young family. I remember... Now, just to give you a glimpse of how bad I am at English, the first year I go to Bible college and my, my buddy Ken says, you need to take communications. You need to take this course. I had no oh, communications, it's about talking. No, it's English. And I had to learn what a noun and a verb was and all this stuff. And I got four right on the first day of an exam. And the guy, the prof says, what are you doing here? Literally, in my stupidity, I said, well, I sold my house, I moved my family here. And he's just shaking his head. And I walked out of his office just wiped. Just despair of like, God, I thought you called me here. But according to that prof, I shouldn't be here. And I went to my mailbox, and I don't even know why. And there was a little card in there. And it was just... Stay, stay focused. I can't remember the exact words, but it was just reaffirming, keep doing what you're doing. God's going to call us into places and you're going to say, what am I doing here? What am I doing hanging out with Bill? And again, I apologize if you're Bill. <laughs> you know, what am I doing here? But God calls each and every one of you. You are so important to the kingdom of God. And God says, I want you to join me. Are you getting this picture? He says, I love you. I went to the cross and died for you. 
I want to have a relationship with you. And many of you believe that. Will you follow him? Saying, I don't just get up in the morning and I do my devotions. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. Whoa, I clicked too far. Can you bring me back? <laughs> get excited and my body just shakes. <laughs> it's all about following Jesus. Okay, let's get back to this one. This is what a disciple is. One that's a follower of Jesus. One that is transformed by Jesus. And one that is committed to the mission. And it's coming together as one. Walking together. And we can get so divided. We can create dissension because of our own selfishness what we want, what I want. And as a pastoral staff, what we want. But can you recognize that if we stay focused on living worthy of the gospel, in a manner worthy of the gospel, that we're rallying together, as Paul's calling them, to stay on track, continue to look at what God wants to do, the big picture, Many of you are detail people. Bless you. Bless you. James, detail people. You know, I know many of you, you are detail people, and I love you, but you get in my way because I'm a big, per big picture person, and I just want, can we see what God wants to do? And you're like, well, we could do it this way, and I bless you. We need you. You're an important part of the body of Christ. Every one of you is, and, but do see the big picture of what God wants to do. Will you join him in this mission? Again, this is not much. It was created for something bigger than yourself. Will you say yes to follow Jesus? And I'm assuming you listening, those of you here, that you're here and you're listening because you have an interest in Jesus. So wherever you are on this journey, some of you, you might just need to get to that place of saying, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not sure what that entails. And you're just on that starting point. I'm going to invite you to come and take your block and put it up here. Some of you have been following Jesus for years. Some of you refuse the Jonah jobs. And you've been running the other way. Uh, I'll tell you another story, not to scare you, <laughs> of a, a, another couple that I got to know in ministry. They had a successful business, and God had called them into the missions of working with another culture. And they said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, Lord. Uh, and their, their business was successful, kept going, kept going. And eventually, the, the call didn't leave them. God kept calling in that voice, I want you to come, join the mission to go cross-culture. Their heart was there, but money was holding them. You know, they just always had to make a little bit more. Well, his business went bankrupt. And then the voice came back again to them. 
and they could share the story of, okay, Jesus, there's nothing holding me back now. <laughs> and they followed. And they had a great ministry in cross-cultural ministry. Some of us, we have to crash in order for God to get our attention. As my dad always said, I want to learn the first time because I, I don't like getting my education out behind the barn. Old country song. Uh, <laughs> because it usually hurt. <laughs> God wants you to follow him. You are important part. Not just of MRAC. I want to encourage you to invite people to follow Jesus. We're good at inviting them to come to MRAC, saying it's a great place. Can I encourage you to invite them to follow Jesus? Because if they're following Jesus, they'll be part of the community of believers. You walk alongside them. God has placed each one of them, somebody in your life, to follow. And maybe, like me, I didn't know who I was. I, was, I said yes to Jesus, and God provided somebody, Ken, to walk alongside me to help me through those Bible college years where I was like, what am I doing here? You have an important part, but can we join together side by side saying we're in it, we're cheering one another on, we're supporting one another on in the mission to follow Jesus, to be changed by him, to be used of him. I'll stop preaching at this point but I invite you, as the worship team comes, will you join? Um, I think I'll lower this down. So if it gets too high, I'll call Martin to help. <laughs> okay? But yeah, it just this is your call now. You're invited to come up and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be all in to wherever he takes me and wherever he leads me, I will obey him.